We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. No mic tonight. And we're recording just uh, about an hour after the Lakers lost another gut punch of a game. It's remarkable how many of them there have been this season. The context of this one is particularly brutal. They've been playing pretty well over the course of the last week, kind of finding an identity and go up by 20 at halftime. And there haven't been a lot of games like that in this season. However, what there have been a lot of games of are (laughs) games where the Lakers completely take their foot off of the gas just to a, a really startling degree. And the third quarter, it was you know, red flags all over. Uh, Harrison tweeted at halftime, something along the lines are like, are y'all ready for, for the collapse, you know, for them to stop playing? Like, and that's inevitably what we saw. And in the postgame remarks, LeBron James said, we are who we are. And we certainly are. And I think more than anything, Darius, and we'll get more into the details of this. And this is part of the reason why I've been so gung-ho about the kids on this squad. But I think this team is more flawed in its personality than anything else. And every team develops its own personality. And even the same group of players over the course of different seasons, different teams have different personalities over the course of that time. So even different teams with the same personnel develop different personalities. And this team's personality is... Really like one I don't think I've ever seen as a Laker fan. And I think this is something, too, that you can only know when you follow a team on a day-to-day basis in a way where if you follow a team from afar, it just isn't the same way. They've managed to have my jaw on the ground a few times this season, and tonight was one of those nights. Just talk to me, man, your views on another collapse. So this team definitely is who they are. And we've been talking about sort of this front-runner-ish nature that they've possessed, right? Like a team that is usually wanting to do as little as they can in order to accomplish something. And this loss fits into that narrative in 
I would say like 80% of the ways. And then the last 20%, it really doesn't to me. I think LeBron spraining his ankle and the way that he was moving for the majority of the last 18 minutes of this game was the reason why the Lakers ultimately lost the game. I think they would have won the game if LeBron is in health. And we would have been talking about a, well, ooh, the Lakers showed us that they wanted to do it again. To I us. mean, if they played the way they did in the first half, we absolutely, and it would have been justified. I think that, so there was a lot that I think was interesting about the game and a lot that I think is positive. And there are still a handful of things that I think big picture concern me. So the positives are that the Lakers really do have now a good sense of who should be playing on a night to night basis. So Avery Bradley did not play again. Trevor Ariza has been banished to the has been banished for a while now. Bazemore doesn't play and Ellington doesn't play. Everyone else who played tonight played for a very specific reason and played because they're qualified to play in this specific game. I think we can do more than nitpick or quibble. I think that we could openly wonder about some of the minute totals for some of the players, and I'm happy to get into that a little bit later. But for the most part, I think this team is just like, yeah, these are the guys who should be playing on a night-to-night basis. And I'll be very interested to see who leaves the rotation once Anthony Davis comes back. My assumption would be that it would be Dwight Howard. I would also say that the best version of this team is going to play fewer than 10 guys. And just replacing Dwight Howard with Anthony Davis keeps the rotation at 10 guys. And so Frank's done an admirable job, so to speak, to get it down to 10, 10 players. It probably needs to be nine. And... Making that last choice is going to be difficult, I think, because every single remaining player probably has a reason to say I should be in the rotation. But that's a conversation for another day. I thought, though, that the the reasons around this specific loss were A, the team did take their foot off the gas. I thought B, they couldn't recapture the energy that they had. B is related to LeBron James being hurt and see they still have that one crucial defensive weakness at the big man position that does not allow them to slot their defense in a way without there being like the potential for a critical failure on any given possession particularly against a team like the pelicans so I'm I'm in a different place. I'm I'm definitely dispirited by this one in part because I thought we'd figured out who we are in a certain respect sure. and there had been prior to this recent like hey this is pretty fun basketball to watch and the first half qualified in that it was not only fun but it was very good. They were playing really well and they've uh They'd been playing that way on the offensive end for a while and credit to Willie Green for some halftime adjustments um but the defensive end, like they'd been playing well on both ends. And Dwight Howard was a big part of that. I texted you guys during the game, like, hey, Dwight's really been really helpful in this game in the first half. But there is um there is a life and spirit to the team that I'm curious if if you see this too, that really precedes any anything else that was really it it was bad a couple of weeks ago. 
And I felt like it returned tonight for the first time in a long time, where as long as that funk is there, that not a whole lot else matters. Like you have to get rid of that first. I think a big part of that life and spirit that's been injected has been the play of Stanley Johnson and Wenyan Gabriel. And now they're a big part of that lineup uh, and that big man deficiency that you were talking about, D, in that Dwight Howard played 33 minutes tonight. And the argument for that is to mirror Jonas Valanciunas's minutes, right? That he's a guy that's a particularly difficult matchup if you don't have another Goliath of your own. And we, D- Dwight is an older one of those guys for sure, sure but sure. that he is of that same cut from that same cloth. And that said, there is a, I would really encourage anybody to go back and watch the start of that third quarter. And there was a collective just across the board shuffling of the feet in general that we could single out individual players. But to me, it's more about the pervasiveness. It's like watching everybody do this. Yeah, That that is something that is first off, a fatal flaw in any team that has big time aspirations. And that's why I think that more than anything that just that we've got too much of that, not enough guys that are like, I want to take ownership of this moment. But that's part of my advocacy for Wenyan Gabriel and Stanley Johnson is, are there going to be possessions where say they don't win against a Jonas Valanciunas and they get freaking buried underneath the rim because he's so much stronger than them? Yes. Are there going to be times where Stanley doesn't have his jumper going and he kind of makes the spacing clunky? Yes. But there is a, when we don't have those internally motivated guys playing big minutes, it causes this, this like across the board collapse too often with a team full of not just veterans, but like deep into their career type of veterans. And that, that even like LeBron's quote, like we are who we are, that's coming from someone who's in their 19th season. He has so much to call back on in terms of what that means in ways that it, a young team like the Pelicans, they don't have that type of collective knowledge. But in ter- to do anything functional with the rest of this season, they're – I think there needs to be that fundamental underlying fuel and flame that Owenian Gabriel and Stanley Johnson provide that I think that they're like 25 plus minute guys, no matter what, no matter the matchup and that that may cause some problems. But what they bring in that respect is so fundamental to what we lack when they're not on the floor way too often that just to be functional, I think they're really necessary. Let's go to break here because I want to hit on that when we come back on the other side. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I mostly agree with you. Mostly. And I didn't think Wenyan nor Stanley played particularly well today. I thought Wenyan played better than Stanley. Right. Because I think that Wenyan's skill set is just more transferable. Like he is someone who like, hey, look, I spaced the floor and then, oh, I dive from the weak side corner when my guy turns his head and stays out there. Or if they sink, I stay and I shoot the open three. And then either way, I run to the backboards and I'm six foot ten. And when I've got a running start, I can jump well. And I grab a loose ball or I knock the ball around. And so all of that is much more like, hey, this works every game. Universal, yes. Right? Universal qualities in a player, yes. And if my shot's not falling, okay, well then that sucks. But this other stuff is still going to work. Drew a couple of fouls on dives. He got a dunk, right? Like, okay, great. But I didn't think they were particularly good. I thought Gabriel's positive plus minus in in the box score was almost all because he played fewer minutes i feel like like he wasn't on the court enough in the like i think he was plus 16 in the second like in the first half and then he ended the game plus five so he was on the court during that well with the starters right with the starters that that played terribly in to to start the third quarter so i so this is where like i think that their spirit and their energy is super important I think, though, that there needs to be a certain level of like production and effectiveness within that to sort of buoy that or else they drag lineups. They drag lineups in their own like they pull lineups down in in their own ways. Now, now. To be fair to them, when they pull a lineup down, I do not think it is in the toxic way that we described certain That's other right. things happening. I think when they pull lineups down, it's almost purely from a not being good enough. My skill set, but like, like, like my skill like, set's not translating here. Like when can be a little wild. He had a turnover and an outlet pass, for yes. example, that was like, I see what you were going for, but that's probably not the right play to make, but it's those errors of commission, right. Yes. That we talk 100, about that. 100%. It's, it's such a necessary ingredient on this team that I, so I agree with your point about that bringing it down. It just then becomes like the alternative to that. There's there's no one we have who's good enough that isn't targeted in a way, especially amongst our bigs. And I'm kind of dancing around it with Mello. I do think that you brought this up the other day and it's totally true. THT hasn't played in some of the games where the Lakers have played well. Mello missed a game. The Lakers played well. And this idea when I brought it up in the first part of the pod, like, you're playing 10 guys. It is difficult to play 10 guys. Frank figured that out last season. And he basically removed like Markeith Morris. And I can't remember who else he removed. It was, from the uh, West. Oh, West it was Matthews. West. Mm-hmm. And Frank was trying to play 11 dudes. Especially early on. Quick turnaround from the bubble. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so I understood the logic, but he ended up determining like, no, we can't play 11 dudes. In fact, we can't even play 10 dudes. I'm cutting the rotation to nine. And so I'm not blaming THT. I'm not blaming Mello. What I am saying is, though, is that fewer dudes who command minutes 
means these other dudes and whatever their strengths are get slotted appropriately better within groups. And I felt like one of the things, so like Stanley was a minus 11 this game. You know, one of the reasons why Stanley was a minus 11 is because A, Dwight was in the game. So he's already playing with Dwight. So now he's playing with Dwight some. And now he's on the court with Russ. This is already a departure from the formula that we know Frank has really been trying to go to in the stretch where the Lakers have been playing a lot better offensively, which is like, no. No more than two non-shooters on the court at any given time. And so this is where I thought Valanchunas's place in him being the pivot point within this game and sort of being like, okay, well, he buried Gabriel. LeBron did not want to guard him. And then on a second with with the ankle, I thought it became like a non-starter entirely to say, LeBron, go guard Val Valanchunas when your leg's a little gimpy. Right. And And so then it's just like, okay, well, do you put Gabriel on him? Which I think can have some positives, but I think that overall you're running into some problems. Do you put Melo on him? Absolutely not. Do you put Stanley Johnson on him? Absolutely not. And then this is where you start to get into the idea of, oh, well, they should have a zone look. They should, right? right? Like mm-hmm. there's other solutions out there. But I thought that there was, this is where I was talking about like the critical failure within the context of well, of the Lakers big man rotation, because in the big picture, this is where you really need Anthony Davis and he's not available. And I felt like what was working in the first half was Dwight playing well. And in the second half, when the energy fell off from the team, I thought Dwight was part of that problem. But I also thought what ended up happening was Russ had way less energy chasing around B.I. I thought LeBron was moving poorly and had way less energy defensively as well. And so now the collective, that that collective like, oh, well, we can mask whatever weaknesses Dwight has because we've got guys who are playing harder around him. That went away. And so now the things that Dwight is actually poor at, those things are getting highlighted more and more and more. And this is why it's just like, I'm upset about the loss, but I'm not so upset where I'm just like, oh, well, this really hurts me in a real way. So- Part of why Dwight's play diminished too, though, is that he doesn't have 33 minutes to give anymore. For sure. Like, I, I totally get the point about Valanciunas, and we could have a, a fun, nerdy argument that perhaps we play them in the play-in, and we'll, we'll have that before then about addressing the Valanciunas problem without while not having Dwight on the floor, right? But in a fundamental sense, before any of that matters, like, Dwight's old, man. Like. Yeah. Dwight can't do that. Dwight, he just can't. He just can't give you 33 good minutes. And like, I do not want to use this as an opportunity to like point a finger at Frank. No, 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 no. That's not what goes differently here. How do you adjust for this? Considering LeBron's, so LeBron's hurt, but he's trying to play. And your only other center is Dwight Howard. So your choices are now Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony, Mm -hmm. Wenyan Gabriel, What's the answer? Let's take a, another break. And when we come back, I guess we will get into some of the Sure, no, let's do it. <laughs> so typically your this guy is too big and too strong 
for us and we're a small ball team what do we do about that the the best way in my opinion is to front the post and so it, to me it's a matter of of playing of playing Wenyan and in asking Wenyan to front the post First, there's that battle in establishing that low post position. So Wenyan would be rather than that three quarter denial where he's kind of like kind of behind him. It's I'm I'm going to deny this post entry pass. And what ends up happening there is if Valanciunas is to catch that on him, it's going to be by sealing him on his hip, but it pushes the post catch out farther. Right. So. You get Valanciunas versus Wenyan, which is a strength mismatch for sure, but the possession starts at like 18 feet away, right? But what normally happens in that front is that they're going to try and throw that pass over the top. And that's where like a guy like Malik has a really good game tonight on the offensive end. I thought it was one of his better scoring performances in grimy situations, right? He got some like tough buckets that it wasn't when the game was open and loose. It was like, Ooh, that was a, he bounced off a dude and got a bucket. Right. So this was a game where it was like, Hey, Malik needs to close this game. And so to me, it's playing Wenyan. You front the post, and then you have Malik flying in from the weak side. Now, are there going to be times where Malik doesn't make the read and it's that lob over the top? You have to be able to pressure the ball while doing that too on the post entry. That's the first aspect of that, and it depends on who you're talking about. Like To me, that's length on CJ McCollum, whether it's Stanley Johnson or or someone else, and strength on B.I., right? So B.I. is going to make that pass over the top of any guy that we have on the team. So maybe that makes the whole idea of like fronting the post. And and so I'm again, I'm not trying to be like this would have absolutely worked and no, sure. it would have been great. But to me, that is a, a better like I there are so few scenarios where like 33 minutes for Dwight from Dwight is going to pay off for you that I, that I think that like, especially with how well Wenyan and Stanley in particular have kind of infused life into this team that Wenyan was the guy to go to in, in this game. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because the plan that worked in the first half almost completely revolved around how the Lakers were defending the Pelicans pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Dwight was showing high and his size at the point of attack was making that entry to Valanchunas on the short roll more difficult. He's so good with his hands and yes. his positioning, and he's still great at that. Yeah. What was also important to that was that it was LeBron who was the weak side step-up man who had tag responsibilities, right? So it's LeBron who is showing on the roll, picking up Valanchunas, Right. And waiting for Dwight to recover and then scampering back out to the weak side corner. That's a lot of running around. It is a lot of running around. And so this is why this is why the second half things got trickier. And and so, mind you, the Lakers defensive game plan was working like gangbusters. Oh, it was fantastic. They, they Best were, defense we played in a minute. They were up 20 points. The 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 coaching staff. Lakers hadn't played since Wednesday. This game's on Sunday. I guarantee they had a lot of time to look at New Orleans tape and was just like, you know what? We're going to do it this way. We know this works against CJ. We've done this to him in the Portland series. This is the way that, and mind you, they didn't defend B.I. the same way. You know why? B.I.'s got a 7'5 wingspan. Right. <laughs> and he's hella tall. So if you show high on Brandon Ingram, with Dwight Howard, he's 
he's going to be able to read that and throw over the top of him at times, or he's going to take a longer stride and stretch Dwight out in a way that CJ is just not going to be able to do. And so they were, they were in a pure drop against BI and they were just like, look, man, if you hit 20 mid-range jumpers tonight, (laughs) then, then congratulations. So, but what's the point of critical, critical failure in the whole, so the game plan's good. I I agree with that, right? Like you've got, you, you've established different coverages for the two different ball handlers who are very different players. CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram impose different challenges as ball handlers. You execute that very well. Now there's a certain amount of juice involved in that. That's like, like, it didn't matter what they were running. If the guys are going to play with that level of when the you second know, half started, up you and, mean. yeah. When the second half started, like yes. it, it's absurd to be like, "Oh, change the game plan." That's not that's not what it is. But to me, the point of critical failure in that is we're going to mirror Valanciunas's minutes with Dwight. Well, so this is where this is where I think LeBron being hurt mattered. This is where I think this mattered the most is is that I on like honestly, I'm not in the coaches' meetings. I, I have zero access. To, to any of that. But I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you, if LeBron's healthy and he's fine, that he gets a five to six minute stretch as the lone big man on the court. Maybe with Gabriel, maybe with Gabriel and Stanley, right? And maybe then you put Gabriel on Valanchunas, but it's still LeBron operating on on that weak side and as the tag and Gabriel sort of mimics Dwight and then if you spam out right there's like lots of things that you can do with a LeBron James that's playing that's still physically there and this is where I think LeBron not being himself was was the more the critical failure for what happened this in this game than what happened with Dwight and then and so I feel like and this is just me that the team this team doesn't have a good enough defensive sort of like gumption and mindset yeah. and and, yeah. and like I know what the hell I'm doing when the whole play okay new game plan right we're mm-hmm. doing this now let's huddle up let's yes. huddle up let's talk about this yeah when was the last time you saw like a defensive huddle that's what good teams do when, you know like well, dead ball ball gets knocked out of bounds yo huddle up real quick like huddle up we doing this now that's right they don't have those dudes anymore. Look, when it was Danny Green and Alex Caruso and KCP, right, and Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard and LeBron James and Rondo's up in there talking about this is what yeah. I'm seeing, that's mm-hmm. that's a different deal than when it's Malik Monk and Wenyan Gabriel and Stanley Johnson and, this may sound offensive, Russell Westbrook and LeBron James on one leg and it's sort of just like, okay, well, yeah, we're at a bind here now. And and so this is kind of why I'm like, look, man, I don't think anything less of the Lakers than I did going in to th- this game. Am I more neutral? This thing didn't push push me back. I'm I still feel like, look, in a week or so, I hope they get Anthony Davis back. And then I'm just like, okay, man, if hopefully LeBron's ankle is fine, right? Cuz apparently after the game, he was moving gingerly he didn't need crutches he didn't have have a boot but he was not moving well uh, per reports after the game so look but if lebron is good to go and russ who i thought he had some turnover stuff 
And I thought his effort to start the second half was very much like, hey, we got this in the bag a little bit. Yeah. Right. And that's a part of Russ that I feel like we don't talk about enough. It's important, mm-hmm. but that's a part of his thing, too, mm-hmm. where it's yep. just like, look, like I played a lot of minutes in this league. I've been around for a long time. I'm allowed to take some time off. But in reality, like he's a leader for this team. And one of the things that I think is most needed from his leadership is that like through a wall mentality that he's willing to have. And so as much as this team follows LeBron, I think Russ is the one dude who doesn't need to follow LeBron. Right. So if LeBron's like, man, like, okay, I'm gonna move around slowly this game or like my ankle hurts. So I think that's part of the like, this is why we traded for Russ, right? Like the the joke about that. I think that is certainly a, a part of it is like LeBron at this point of his career, I think the biggest challenge is to be able to do it for a full 82, you know, like yep. that and like everything about basketball because he's still great at every aspect of basketball, to be, but to be great at every aspect of basketball to the volume that you need to, to just like, he used to be like, you had LeBron on your team, your 48 win team. Oh man. Like you had LeBron and some dudes, right? And, but that requires like, that requires that genius manifesting itself in every aspect in his, of his game pretty much all the time. That's just ridiculous to ask of at this point. And so that underlying like fuel and lay, let's go. Like LeBron needs to chill for four or five minutes of this game, but Russ is going to carry that stretch. That's been one of the things that's been disappointing has been that, that there's been very little of, of that. And in some ways it's like a timing thing. You can't look at a box score to see this or, you know what I'm saying? Like it's something where it's like, Hey, LeBron just turned his ankle a little bit. Hey, let's go. Let's play my, my brand of basketball for a bit. Yeah. And so look, I don't want to point the finger at Russ. It's just like, look, collectively, I thought the team didn't do what they needed to do in the second half. They've shown this plenty to us. And that's that. Like, but like I said, fundamentally, I'm like, look, man, LeBron had 25 points in the first half. He looked, he was so good. He looked fantastic. Mm -hmm. At one point, Russ was shooting like 60% from, from the field. He was getting baskets in transition. He was we were driving. fantastic in look, the first look, half. We were, we were outclassing them in that first half. 100%. And so does this loss give like, and you know, no one loves to stick it more to the Lakers than New Orleans right now. Like not even the Celtics. New Orleans, right. they're the team that wants to For stick sure. it to the Lakers the most. So is this a feather in their cap? Like, of course it is. And, Congratulations. Great. They won this game. The Lakers will hopefully, hopefully, because the Spurs are now only a game back. Oh, yeah. We're very close. Right. Hopefully there's a play in opportunity and we'll see how that would go between the Lakers and the Pelicans. But if you're asking me where I'm at, honestly, do do I understand what all the fatal flaws are of this Lakers team? Yeah. Do I think that they can be two front runners? I sure as hell do. Do I feel like they let their foot off the gas and only do as much of this and as much as that? Yes. 100%. But I've seen a change in how Russell Westbrook's playing. I see LeBron James sort of being like, okay, it's go time. And he actually has it right now. An ankle turn messed him up this game and he was not doing it. And then I see Anthony Davis and he's getting close. He going to be back soon. And look, if, if, if the Lakers have an improved Russell Westbrook, they have a LeBron James that still looks dangerous as hell. And they get the Anthony Davis back 
who the version of him that was playing when he got hurt, give that to me. And I'm going to be like, all right, well, let's see. Not, oh, they're going to win the championship. Let's see. They're going to beat the Suns or make a amazing. No, that's not what, what I'm talking about. It's just that I think that team has a puncher's chance against any team in the league. I just, and that's just where I'm at right now. So that's why I'm saying this game did not change my perspective on where I was four hours ago. It just doesn't because the circumstances that happened in this specific game against this specific opponent and the failures that happened in the second half were part, were very much a part of this idea of, well, A, this is who the Lakers are, but B, this thing happened because the only dude who I really trust to do all of the things that need to happen got hurt. He tried to play through it. He wasn't very good after that. I don't know what you want me to say about that part of things, but that part mattered this game. And so that's kind of where where I am. And I don't know. No one's changing my mind at this point. I, I, I feel that. And, and all of that's true. I guess what I'm saying, though, is that there's a reason things just have felt better. It's just been a bit of a aha the last week or so, right? And even into that first half, that was like you could still see the flaws of the team, of course, but it was very much like, hey, this is this is watchable basketball. This is good, credible basketball. They're playing hard. They're into it. That I, I thought that like the mental focus of the team had locked in. And this happens with veteran teams more than younger teams, is that they know it's a long season, and you'll hear that quote all over the post games throughout this whole season is it's a long season and the last when and a lot of teams have that personality we're like hey we're going to turn it on for the last 20 right or whatever the circumstances are we're going to turn it on for this stretch and it looked to me like the team had that type of look to it i think we lost some of that tonight for the reasons that you stated but i also think that we've got a couple of young guys that on this particular team, they provide a necessary heart and spirit that they'll, they'll come with flaws, all of that. But to me, they're like, they're part of that nine that you're talking about earlier, D. Yeah. That like, for better or for worse, let's ride with those dudes. I hope they're with the team next year. And it like, let's get them some playoff experience that will hopefully be more relevant toward a contending team next season but like let's let's roll with the dudes that that really play with that all of the time because in the absence of them we just have too many stretches where we just let go you know 100 percent. i really do want the young guys to continue to get their burn right i also i also do understand going away from them when they don't play as well and that's like the coach's battle in his own mind every single i hear that and it's just like if this team had any equity with us we would be so much more forgiving of nights like this right but they don't have any equity with us and so we leave it we mostly leave a night like this frustrated but they banked a little bit with me over this last week and a half or so so i'm giving them so i'm i'm showing them a little bit of grace today pete because some things just like things can click into place a certain way things can click out of place in in a way and you just lose it and that's kind of what i saw with this second half things clicked out of place for them and they couldn't grab grab it back now they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt from anyone and so <laughs> sure. if you don't give it to them i do not blame you at all but tonight 
I'm showing them some grace and that's just where I am. I like it. I, I'm looking forward to talking uh, to Darius the Optimist a little more this week because uh, you will not be placed in the middle of Mike and I this week on on this topic. No. I want to hear more about this as, as the week goes on. All right, y'all, we'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.